right, welcome everybody. Glad you're here today. My name is Danny Forsheed, uh, lead pastor here at Great Hills Baptist Church, and we're delighted that you're here on this Super Goal uh, Sunday. I know we had some great times and discussions in our uh, Connect Group classes, and i um, so glad that you're here today. Thank you, Terry, for introducing our church to your new grandbabies. That's a beautiful thing. And a great job today leading us in worship, orchestra, and band. And Kristen, thank you so much. An awesome song. And John, John, that's my favorite song right now, uh, that uh, Chris Tomlin, Nobody Loves Me Like Jesus. Miss Joe Helen, God bless you. Wow, a hundred tomorrow. That's amazing. I'm still just amazed at that. So I've been studying centenarianology, okay? So I got a few factoids and facts for you today. There are 7 billion people on planet Earth, 500,000 centenarians, meaning you're 100 years of age or older. Lynn West, we were doing the math yesterday, and uh, so I think uh, if my math is correct, we're well, really if Siri's math is correct, it's 0.007142% of the, you're in some elite company, I'm telling you. With 7 billion people on planet Earth, you're in the top 0.007%. The fastest growing population in the world are centenarians. That's amazing, isn't it? By 2050, there will be 3.7 million of Joe Helen rallies, which is uh, uh, amazing. Somebody asked me yesterday, do you think you'll make it? I said, I have no idea. Do you think you'll make it to that age? Joe Helen, we say God bless you. We love you. Such a sweet spirit lady. I, I was talking to her yesterday, and uh, I said, you know, there's a good chance <laughs> that we'll sing happy birthday to you tomorrow. She said, well, if you don't, your name will be Mud. I said, well, amen. I, I got that. Amen. So thank you, Terry, for helping us, helping us out. No, it's wonderful. So good to see you and so many of your family members here to celebrate this amazing milestone in your life. Well, we're in the book of Acts, so welcome to our study. We're in Acts chapter 1 again. Today we're going to look at the prologue of the good Dr. Luke as he pens these words to his friend Theophilus. Theophilus, his name literally means the lover of God. Who is this guy? In Acts chapter 1, verse 1, many believe he's a high-ranking Roman official. I believe that. I believe he's someone that Luke, who was the associate and companion of the Apostle Paul, his personal physician, first-rate historian, I think he's writing to Theophilus as someone that he has led to the Lord. He is discipling him. And he, it is the... Um, it is the follow-up, the sequel, if you will, to the Gospel of Luke. Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, also wrote this amazing book called The Acts of the Apostles. We can also call it The Acts of the Holy Spirit. So here at Great Hills Baptist Church, what we do is we love to study God's Word, and not just for academic purposes or theological or you know, intellectual purposes. That's important, and orthodoxy and history and doctrine, that's all important. But we study with the goal in mind that how does it change our lives? You know, how do we live in the 21st century with passion, with victory over temptation? How do we love our families well? How do we love our country well? How do we love our churches well? And so what we're asking is saying, God, speak to us. We want to know, we want to understand, but we also, God, we want all of that knowledge and all of that understanding to make a profound, prodigious influence and difference in the way that we live. 
You know, I've been thinking about the first church, the early church. It started with 120 people. In Acts 1.14, it was birthed in a prayer movement. As they were praying, the Holy Spirit of God comes down in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. And man, this church literally, in Acts 17 says, these Christians, they've turned the world upside down. I mean, they're everywhere. They're loving people. They're, they're filled with the, with the Spirit of God, and they're ministering to people. They're, they're helping, and they're healing. And, and what I think is, as the church in the 21st century, the closer we can get to that model, the better off we're going to be. Passion, filled with the Spirit of God, and then motivated and actuated into our very city and into the cities of the world. I was reading an interesting article this past week, and it's it's written by a, I mean, he's really one of the intellectual giants in our culture. His name Dr. Jim Dennison. He was my philosophy of religion professor uh, many years ago when I was in seminary. And he has, an, he has a, a blog or an article, and it's called The Daily Article. And he writes these words, and I was thinking about you, and I was thinking about me and our church at Great Hills Baptist Church, the church that we love and we pour our hearts and souls. Mm, I love that 1 Thessalonians 2.8 where Paul said, I gave you the gospel, but I didn't just give you the gospel. I gave you my life. And so that's what I wanted. I want to give you my life, my passion, and my heart to teach you the Word of God. And hopefully, we can come together in great unity and great power of the Holy Spirit and make a difference in this city. Well, here's what he said. The title of the article is, How to Respond When Skeptics Claim That Our Faith is Dangerous. He says, then, as now, our lives are our best defense. Do you hear that? Our lives are our best defense. The culture may condemn us for obeying Scripture regarding same-sex relations, for example. But it takes note when we work to eradicate AIDS. Skeptics try to dismiss our faith as dangerous. But they must account for the fact that Christians have contributed more to education, health care, the welfare and protection of children, and the care for the impoverished more than any other group in all of antiquity, in all of history. And that is the church at her best, filled with the Spirit of God, passionate for Jesus Christ, and then going out and making a difference and an impact in the world in which we live. And that's exactly, precisely what we see happening in the book of Acts. It's written around A.D. 63 by this good doctor, Luke. He's a companion of Paul, which means later on you're going to see him use the first person plural pronoun saying, we, we were with Paul. And we were taking the gospel from Jerusalem and then Judea, Samaria. And then by the time of Acts 28, you've got them all the way to Rome. And they're taking this good, mm, mm. listen, it's not bad news. It's good news. The fact that Jesus Christ loved us so much that he died on a cross and he was placed in a borrowed tomb, and God the Father raised his son from the dead. And Jesus Christ is very much alive, and he is moving in this world. He is changing this world. And so Luke says, man, I was an eyewitness to what God was doing first century. Ooh, I got good news for you. And the same God who did those amazing miracles in the first century is that God today who could do miracles in the 21st century. He's the same God. Oh, Lord, give us this passion. I, I want this kind of passion, the passion of Paul, the passion of Luke and John. It was John Wesley who said, when a, when a man of God is on fire, people will come. 
and watch him burn. I believe the same thing is for, true for a church. When a church, like this church, is just inflamed with the Holy Spirit and this conflagration, this, this fire sweeping across the, the landscape, and when those churches do those kind of things, then the world takes notice and people come and watch us burn. Well, here we are in Acts chapter 1. Let me, let me read the prologue again. I know we didn't get very far last week. We got about a verse and a half, so we're going to pick up and uh, we're going to continue on. Here we go. Verse 1 says, the former account, remember that would be the gospel of Luke, that I made, O Theophilus, lover of God, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. We, we, we underscored that word began. He, he began and he is still doing it even to this day. Until the day, mm, until the day in which he, Jesus, was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments. He gave commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom? The apostles. In the early church, he appeared to these people. To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many, tekmerion is the Greek word, I mean irrefutable, infallible proofs or evidences. He was seen by them during 40 days. And Jesus Christ, during these 40 days, now notice this, you, you may find this very surprising. Oftentimes we say Jesus died, he was buried, he arose from the dead, he ascended to the Father, and all that is true. But between his resurrection and his ascension, Luke says there was a 40-day period where Jesus Christ remained on the earth and he did something. He appeared to people. He spoke to his disciples, and he did something very, very interesting, I thought, here in verse 3. And for those 40 days, he spoke of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus did. So even to the, his last breath here on this earth, as he is ascending back to the Father, he spoke for 40 days on the kingdom of God and that advancement that it was making. And we're going to look today a little bit more at these apostles, who they were, Jesus' apostles. The Greek word apostle is apostolos, and it simply means someone who is sent. And we're going to look next at Jesus' accessibility, and I can't wait to talk to you a little bit about what the Bible says about Jesus being available and accessible, not just to them back then, but He, through His Spirit, is very accessible and approachable and available to us today. And then finally, in verse 3, we're going to look at today Jesus' advancing kingdom. And now the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, which has come on earth. And what does that mean? And so we're going to look at all of that uh, today. So very excited. So it makes me want to pray. Y'all want to pray with me? Good. Thank you. Let's, let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Lord, we are just in awe that we, that we get to study the word of God. Over the next few minutes, when it seems, Lord, like this world is just spinning out of control. There's so much evil. Lord, there's so much bickering and politics and, and so much hurt and, and anger. And, and Lord, we here today, we, we get to just come aside and we just get to look at your word. We get to receive nourishment. We get to receive encouragement. And Lord, we have sung your praise now. We're opening up your scriptures. And God, more than anything else, Lord, we Lord, we need to hear from you. Lord, we, we want you to speak to us, oh God. And so we're asking you, in the name of Jesus, your Son, through the power of you, the Holy Spirit, would you speak? 
Speak to us, God, through your word. Your word is alive. Lord, your word is inspired. It is infallible. And Lord, your word is, is very inspirational. So Lord, speak to us today. We need it. And we pray. I pray even now for hurting hearts, God, and broken spirits. Those, Lord, have come to church today and they're really having a hard time making the transition out of their pain and out of their difficulty, transitioning into your presence, Lord, so that they can hear you clearly. God, would you do something? Would you do something in her life, even right now, God, to ameliorate her situation? God, improve it on her behalf. Let her know whoever she is, God, that you love her and that she is in the right place at the right time. And through the Spirit of God, she can become more than a conqueror. And I'm praying for whoever she is and whoever he is today, God. Lord, we open up our minds, we open up our hearts, we trust in you, speak to us, for we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said together, amen, amen. Okay, so we're looking at Acts chapter 1. And as I said earlier, we're going to begin again looking at this, this word about his apostles in verse 2. Luke says, he tells us, the reader, that before Jesus ascended back to the Father, he called together this apostolic band of people. And he gave them very clear commandments after he arose from the dead. He's risen. He speaks to them. He gives them explicit verbal commandments, mandates, imperatives. He tells them, this is what I need you to be doing. And then he preaches the kingdom for 40 days, and then he goes back to the Father. Well, who are these guys? Who are the apostles? Well, Mark chapter 3, verse 14 says that Jesus chose 12 men for the express purpose that they may do two things. This is, this is really interesting. Number one, that they might be with him. And number two, that he might send them out to preach the kingdom of God. You can see that in Mark 3, 14. And you know who they are. And Peter and James and John, Bartholomew and Thaddeus and all those men, and even Judas Iscariot. He was one of the 12. And so these apostles... And by the way, in order to write the New Testament, you either had to be an apostle or a close associate to an apostle like a Luke was to Paul or like a Mark was to Peter. And by the way, all the apostles, they are deceased and uh, all 11 of the 12, they are with Jesus Christ in heaven above. There are no more apostles in the sense of the New Testament word of the apostles, because here's where you get in trouble. If you say, well, I'm an apostle just like Peter was, and I can write a book like Joseph Smith said he did, because I'm an apostle just like they were. No, you're not. Those are the apostles, and they are dead, and they are with God, but they have left us this holy book. However, the apostolic zeal and the apostolic gifts are still viable today, and here's how they are manifested. No, not in the sense that these guys were, but here's how it is manifested today. When you see men and women filled with the Spirit of God going into dangerous territory or going into areas all over this world where there is no witness for Jesus Christ, I want to tell you something. They are in the spirit of the apostles. In fact, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, Paul says, to some he still gives apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists for the working up of the ministry, for building up of the people of God so that we can do the work of the ministry. I don't mitigate, I don't minimize these people at all. In fact, I exalt them. They are the apostles. We are not, but there are those that have that apostolic 
I mean, that ability to go and preach the gospel where it has not been preached. Jesus told them in John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Oh, my word. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Oh, I got a good word for you. The apostles are sent ones. Sent where and sent why. They are sent all over the globe. And by the way, you may not be a Peter, James, or John. You may not be a missionary who goes into foreign lands. But I want to say this based on the authority of the Word of God. If you know God, then God is sending you to speak His name and to honor Him right here in Austin, Texas, wherever you live. He has given you that divine authority and that ability to rise up and say, let me tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our honor. That's our, that's our privilege. Today, there are some, wow, there are some amazing things going on on planet Earth. There is a group of apostolic brothers and sisters who are in a country right now. I'm not going to say their name. But Great Hills Baptist Church, we are funding them. We are supporting them financially more than any other of our 30 partnerships. We have 30 partnerships where we give money and we are supporting them as they go and share the gospel. And this group who receives more support and more money than any other, they are in the most hostile and the most difficult of places. It's in the top 10 of countries all over the world where persecution is the, is the strongest and the Word of God is going out through these brothers and sisters, and we are funding them, and we're going to visit them, and we are, we are encouraging them. And I just want you to know, dear church of God, there's coming a day, and we're going to hear about it, that this church planting movement has erupted among these millions and millions of lost people in a different part of the world, and many of them are going to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And when we die and we go to heaven, Jesus Christ will look at us and say, let me introduce you. To your brothers and your sisters. And because you were a member of this church and you gave your money to, to reach this people group, great is our reward in heaven. Well, apostles. I could say a lot more about apostles, but there they are. And in that spirit and in that power, we have the ability to go and to speak, not to write Scripture. Scripture's closed. The canon is closed. But the witness, the gospel witness it's got to go, go forward. Now, let me say this. There's 100,000 people a day coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Did you know that? All over the globe, all over the planet. The gospel is spreading like that conflagration, like that mighty fire. We're not seeing it as much here in America, and we're especially not seeing it as much here in Austin, Texas. But here, let me, let me, tell, you, let me tell you something. Here, here's the thing. I think that would radically change if we were filled with the Spirit of God and we feared nobody but God Himself, and if we had that Holy Ghost inspiration and joy and we were full of God and we were less full of self and we just went about gossiping the gospel and telling everybody about Jesus, I think we would start to see the things that they saw in the New Testament, which is the church exploding and exponential growth and amazing things and miracles happening. Mm, let me tell you something, friend. Jesus Christ, the same, some Bible, some Bible, Bible scholar, help me. The same yesterday. Help me now. Wait, when? Today and what? Forever. You say, is that in the Bible? 
Last I checked, it is. Amen. Hebrews 13, 8. All right, we got to move on. That's apostolic. That's apostles. Number two is, and this is where I, I was really getting excited this week. You say, well, what were you doing just a minute ago? Is that, I don't know. Somebody asked me yesterday, are you going to get as excited this Sunday as you did last Sunday? I said, I had no idea. I just, I do get excited to be able to preach the gospel, especially when I have friends. They have never been able to preach the gospel where they live like this. And I'm thinking of the countries, and they're just rolling through my mind. I've been to those countries. I've worshipped Jesus in a country where there was two people. We closed the doors. We closed the blinds. And I preached a whole sermon to one Christian brother in this country. He came secretly, one person. Jesus is accessible. It says in verse 3, look at it, to whom the apostles, the believers, he presented himself alive. Jesus presented himself alive after his sufferings by many infallible proofs. I want to talk to us about Jesus' accessibility and three things about this. Number one, he presented himself alive. And what Luke is saying is that after Jesus died, the most glorious thing ever to happen in the history or in the future of mankind is Jesus Christ arose bodily, viscerally, arose from the dead. Do you know anybody that's done that? You say, well, Brother Dan, that's your opinion. And we're no longer in modernism where there's truth and there's falsehood. We're beyond that. We're in postmodernism. We're enlightened, and your truth may not be my truth. My truth may not be your truth. Let me just say it again, friend. Do you know anybody that died on a cross who claimed to be God and then substantiated it? And he arose from the dead. Do you know anybody that has done that? I don't. And so I'm going to worship, and I'm going to give I'm going to give my life to the person who conquers the very thing I'm most afraid of and the thing that you're most afraid of. You may not live to be 100 years of age. You may die tomorrow, and that fear, it grips you, and it paralyzes you. And Jesus Christ says, I've taken care of that. Son, I've taken care of that. And all you have to do is believe and trust in me and and live for me. And when you die, oh, you're entering into the very presence of God in heaven. He presented himself very much alive to two men on the road to Emmaus. Remember that? 2432 says, And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us? While he, the resurrected Jesus, he spoke to us. He talked with us on the road. And, and after he opened the scriptures to us. Luke 2436, Jesus Christ appears to the disciples. I mean, he walks through the door. Doors closed. He didn't matter. He just walks through the door. And they said, oh, my word, it's a ghost. He goes, no, give me some food. Give me some fish. And he eats. He's got this resurrected body. So he presented himself alive. And that's, that's so important because that tells us that he is alive and he is accessible. But notice the next phrase, after his suffering. Now, I'm in 1-3. Please underline this, this prepositional phrase, after his suffering. Luke has encapsulated for us the whole passion narrative in this one prepositional phrase. Listen, 
He is saying the mock trial false accusations, the beating within an inch of his life, the placing of a a crown of thorns on his brow to mock him, to be literally nailed to a cross with arms stretched out wide, with wrist impaled to the wood and feet nailed to the wood hanging there for six hours. An executioner comes and pierces his side, and out of his side come blood and water flow, and he, and he bows his head, and he dies. And Luke says, that, my friend, is suffering. Nobody loves me like Jesus. That's what we sang a moment ago. Nobody loves me like Jesus, only Jesus loved you enough to die in his suffering. But because he suffered, I don't have to. I don't have to. I don't have to die on a cross. All I got to do is trust in him, and then my life is clean, and my life is forgiven. It's been a few years ago, but I was thinking this week about a little boy named Bronner, Bronner Burgess. His dad is Rick Burgess at the Rick and Bubba show. And they're still popular on the airwaves, on radio, especially in Alabama with a name like Bubba. Come on, you, yeah, work with me. He was two and a half years old, January the 19th, 2008, just a little over 10 years ago. And little Bronner Burgess slipped out the back door went into the family pool. Nobody saw it until they went out looking for him, and there he was. And at two and a half years of age, he died. And Rick Burgess, who is a professing Christian, he's very outspoken about his faith, he preached his two-and-a-half-year-old son's funeral. I can't, I can't even imagine that. Some of you can't. He said the night before, you know, had the visitation of the body, a man came up to Rick Burgess and said, Rick, I just want to tell you something. I went to my office today, and I spoke to some of my colleagues, and I told them one of my good friends, Rick, his son, has died. And I'm just so amazed at the way he is trusting in God. He's not mad at God. He's not angry at God. He's, he's trusting in God. And and that kind of faith, that kind of ability is accessible to you and to me if we will trust in God. And he said, I led three of my coworkers to Jesus this morning because of little Bronner's death and your reaction to it. So he gets up and he preaches and he, and he says in his sermon, you can watch it, I've watched it on YouTube, 30 minutes. Rick Burgess says, people ask me, or they may ask me, where is God? I thought God loved us. I thought he loved you. You, you are a Christian. Your little child is two and a half years of age, and he, he dies in the pool. And then Rick Burgess said these words, and I'll never forget them. <laughs> he said, let me tell you something, friends. 
Jesus died on a cross. He suffered unimaginable horrors. They placed him in a tomb. He came out of the tomb, and God has gone on record, and he has said, God loves us. He does love us. He has gone on record that he is for us and not against us. And that same God is accessible, he's approachable, he's available. Because you see, when Jesus died, what, what happened was the veil of the temple was torn in two. That partition, that barrier was obliterated. Now, sinful man, in our humanity and in our weakness, we can go right into the presence of the almighty creator, awesome God. And the reason we can do that, listen, 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 it's not because of something good that we have done that, oh, I've helped my neighbor or I gave a little money to the church or I, I preached a little sermon or I did this or that. No, no, no. God looks at us and he says, welcome into my presence based on the atoning sacrifice of my son. Jesus died and we go into the presence of God. That is the gospel. That is the good, good news that Jesus Christ is for us. He's not against us. He is accessible. He is very much alive. He presented himself after his sufferings. Here's the third part. By many infallible proofs. Now, the word tekmerion in Greek it means evidence. And not only does it mean evidence, it, it actually means unmistakable, sure sign, convincing proof. Convincing proof that he presented himself alive. What, what were some of those evidences or proofs? Well, thank you for asking. I, I, I got, I'll jot this down. John 20, 27, then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, Thomas, but believe. In John 21, he appears to them again, and he prepares breakfast for them. Luke says in verse 3, being seen by them over a 40-period time frame. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says Christ was seen by Cephas. He was seen by Peter and the 12. In verse 6 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says, and 500 of us saw him. 500 people. That is not some hallucination. That is, that is not some fable or some fairy tale. Yeah, 500 people, Paul says. They saw him in that 40-day time frame. These constitute infallible, unmistakable proofs or evidences that he is very much alive. And to Thomas, he said again, you ready for this? John 20, 29. Jesus said to him, Thomas, oh, come on, Great Hills Baptist Church, you're going to like this because we got some Thomasites in the house. We got some folks from Missouri. We got some empiricists. We got some folks that want to see it, touch it, taste it in order to believe it. And Jesus says these words to Thomas, and he says them to us. Thomas, you have seen me, and you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me, and yet they have believed in me. That's us. That's us. We believe. No, I hadn't seen him. You say, preacher, you, 
You talk like you've seen him. You, 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 you're preaching with some kind of passion, and you, you, you sound like you've got this authority to speak on God's behalf. What, what gives you? What gives you that authority? What, what gives you that, that power to do that? Okay, can I just say, it's because I have been with Jesus. You say, well, where was he? Can I get with him? Yes, you can. Every single day, every morning before I leave my house, I go to the Word of God and I read it and I study it and I memorize it and I pray for about an hour, oh, God, help me. Have mercy on me. God, use me for your glory, oh, God. Sometimes I'll pray, or every time I pray, sometimes I'm fasting and I'm, and I'm seeking the Lord. And I want it to be said of me that it was said of the early church, and we see Peter and John, and we know they have been with Jesus. And let me tell you something. That's not just for any, that's just not for any preacher. That's for everybody, Amen. that we're with him, and we see him, and the evidence of him being alive is his Holy Spirit lives within me and through me. He is accessible, and I'm praising God today for the accessibility, the availability, the approachability of God through His Son. Wow. All right, one, one more thing. Jesus, His advancing kingdom, and this is in verse 3. It's a very, very interesting text. I hope you're learning something, by the way. We were at the Cheesecake Factory last week for lunch. And after eight hours, we finished our lunch, and it was really good. Could you give me some Kleenex here? And no, the Kleenex, I'm sorry. The Kleenex, that'd be great. I'm making a mess of myself. Here, I'll give you this one. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding, Ken. Thank you. And a precious lady, she, she comes in, and, and um, she says, um, I, I was in church, my first time ever in your church. And, and she said, um, I didn't know Luke wrote Acts. And I was like, that's pretty cool. She came, she worshiped, and she listened. Some of you are going to walk out here today and say, I never knew Jesus preached for 40 consecutive days on the kingdom of God before he arose and went back, excuse me, after he arose, before he ascended to the Father. But what does it mean when Jesus preaches the kingdom of God for 40 days? Now, I'm going to go through this pretty quickly. But there's, some, there's an outline here in the, in the bulletin or on your, uh, on your phone if you're on our app. And there's three little points here. But I, a lot of research and thought went into those three points. And I know what time it is. And I'm talking about cheesecake. Woo. And you're going, oh, man, you lost me. I, I've got it. Well, let me get you back, okay? Okay, speaking of cheesecake, I'm... If, you, if you've never been over to Papado's and had their praline cheesecake, it'll bless your life. It'll change your life. I mean, it's... And, and I'm not a big cheesecake guy, but man, Ashley and I, we just... Okay, point number three. I digress. I mean, okay, what... This is so important because what is the kingdom? So let, let me just... Let me rehearse some of the scriptures. Now, you know many of these. Matthew 6, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Mark 1.15, the kingdom of God is at hand. Mark 14.25, assuredly I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Luke 9.2, Jesus sends the twelve out to preach the kingdom 
of God and to heal the sick. Luke 17, 21, one of the most informative passages of Scripture there is on the kingdom of God. The basileia is the Greek word. Basileia is the realm of the reign of the king. And Luke 17, 21 says, Behold, mm, the kingdom of God is in you, in you who believe in Christ. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says, The unrighteous will not enter into the kingdom of God. So based on these texts, Here's, here's three things that I think we can take away about maybe what Jesus preached during that 40-day time frame. Number one, the kingdom has come in the appearance of the king. If you don't have no king, it's just dumb. That's, figure that out. It's, uh, it's original. Kingdom. Kingdom. If there is no king, there is no reign. There is no, but Jesus, when he came, he inaugurated. He began the kingdom of God, and we are his loyal vassals, his citizens under the reign, and we are subservient to the king, and that kingdom life is, is in us. In Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus says, the greatest, most powerful sermon ever preached, let me tell you what the kingdom of God looks like manifested in the life of my followers. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Number two, the kingdom is not of this world, but it is the righteous rule of God in people's hearts. Jesus said, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There are two kingdoms operative in this world today. Now, I don't, I don't want to be overly political and make anybody mad, but I just, I just got to say something. There are two kingdoms operative in the world today, and it's not the Republicans and the Democrats. That is not the kingdom about which I speak. I am speaking about the kingdom of light, the kingdom of life, of life, the kingdom of love, the kingdom of God that Jesus Christ, he, he began here on this earth. But there is another kingdom, and it's a kingdom of darkness. And it's a kingdom of death. And it's a kingdom of confusion. You tell me, a few moments before a baby is born and you kill that baby, what in heaven's name is happening to our country? That's okay. No, it's not okay. That is a precious life. If you think that way, then you're under the domain of the kingdom of darkness. But if you're in the kingdom of light, you see things entirely different. No, I'm no politician. I'm up for nobody's vote. I'm preaching the word of God today. And I'm telling you that our God is a God of life. He is a God of life. kingdom of God. When you're part of his kingdom, you think like the king. You act like the king. Your behavior is commensurate with the activity and the behavior of the king. And the last thing about the kingdom of God is it's now and it's not yet. And this is very important. I want you to listen carefully because 
it's separate from this world, but it has invaded this world partially, partially. And one day it will be consummated. Let me tell you something. When the king comes again, everything changes. We're so incredibly confused in this world. We don't, we don't know what's right. We don't, we don't know the difference in right and wrong. We call depravity something that which is good and wholesome and healthy. It's your choice. And God in his word very clearly tells us how the kingdom citizens are to live in this life. And when he comes, and he is coming, the key is coming. And when he does, and when he does, he reigns on this earth. And we are his people, and we reign, we reign with him, and we serve him. Let me tell you something. 1 Corinthians 6, it tells you who's going to be in the kingdom and who's not going to be in the kingdom. And when you are part of his kingdom, you, you love and you, you, you want to help and you want to serve and you want to stand for biblical truth and morality. It has come partially, but one day... In great power, the king will consummate his kingdom. F.F. Bruce is one of the smartest, most brilliant New Testament scholars there is. And let, let, me, let me read something to you. I know it's 12.05, and I know I've already made a lot of you mad, but let me continue. <laughs> At Christ's first coming, the age to come invaded this present age. At his coming in glory, the age to come will have altogether superseded this present age. Between the two comings of the two ages overlap, they do overlap. The people of Christ live temporarily in this present age, while spiritually we belong to a heavenly kingdom, and we enjoy by anticipation the life of the age to come. C.S. Lewis, when he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, he created Oslin the fierce, yet gentle and powerful, prototypical figure of Christ. I had a missionary friend write me a note one time from Africa. I mean, one of the most forsaken, difficult, dark, 99.9% .9 Islam. She wrote me a note. She signed it. Oslin. Is on the move. The king is moving. The king is moving in Austin, Texas. The king is moving in this world, and you are a part of his kingdom, or you're not. If you want to be a part of his kingdom, here's what you got to do you got to say, okay, you're the king, I'm not. You call the shots, I don't. That does not go over very well in erudite Austin, Texas. I know, I've lived here eight and a half years. I don't tell me what to do. I tell everybody else what to do. And I'll even tell God what to do if there is a God. Let me tell you something. You're, you, you can't have that mentality and be a part of the kingdom of heaven and, and go to heaven. You have to humble your proud self. You have to say, God, you're the boss. I am not. Jesus you died for my sins. I trust in you. I believe in you. And I, and I forsake all and I give you all. And I want to be a part of your kingdom. Then now you're talking. Now you're cooking with grease, brothers and sisters. Now you're really talking. I, I'm not the boss. You're the boss. And then you got to go to the water. You get baptized. You identify with God's people. 
You don't have to be baptized to go to heaven. But it just seems that everybody who's going to heaven wants to be baptized. And then you got to get involved. You, you got to be a part of a church. I know I'm going a little bit long, but I, I, got, to, I got some stuff I got to get off of my chest in a good kind of way. It's so important in this world in which we live when we are bombarded 24 7 with what John says is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And if you are constantly being bombarded with the doctrine and with the affairs of this world in the music, in film, in industry, television, and you're constantly being bombarded that abortion is okay, homosexuality is okay, any kind of lifestyle, it's okay. And as long as you are hearing those messages over and over and over again, you will capitulate and you will succumb to it unless the Spirit of God is living in you and you're with the people of God, you're in the Word of God, you're gathered with the people of God, and then the voice of the Spirit of God becomes louder than the voice of this world. And when that happens, then you become strong. You become deep in your faith. You're not wishy and washy. You stand firm on the Word of God and, yes, biblical morality, and you speak the truth in love. But that does not, that never, ever happens unless you fully surrender unto the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Can I just ask you this question? Is anybody here today who would say, I'm, that's the life that I so long for. I, I want that. Thank you, Brother Randy. And God bless you for playing the guitar up there, brother. I got ADD, y'all. I'm sorry. I just get distracted. And that was awesome. I'm saying here. What am I saying? I know what I'm saying. And maybe this church is for you. Because I know it's not for everybody. I thank you, brother. I don't know your name or I would say something about you, but anyhow, bless you. You were in my mentor class Wednesday night. Jose. Juan. Yes, Juan. <laughs> like I said, Juan. So in March... The first three Sundays in March, we're going to have our next Discover Great Hills new members class. And if this message resonates with you, if you're like, I, I want to be a part of this church, I want to be able to stand for God in the midst of such a hostile, difficult place, then this church could very well be for you. You come and you listen, you learn. And you say, if this is God's place and God's will for me, then I want to join I want to serve, I want to tithe, I want to get involved. And uh, my son Layton and, and Danielle and others are going to be in that class and they're going to be teaching it. They're going to be encouraging you to come and be a part. I'm so happy. I, the, the fastest growing areas at Great Hills Baptist Church is our college ministry and our young adults. Did y'all know that? I think that's, that's pretty cool. You said, well, what about us old geezers? We're still here. Amen. <laughs> you sure are, and I'm one of you. <laughs> Thank you, preacher. Yes. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe, older person, the reason so many young people are coming to Christ is because you stayed 
because you stayed. Thank you for staying. Thank you for giving. Thank you for singing songs you don't like. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Because there was a whole class full of millennials. How many churches can say that? They have a whole class full of millennials. One's a PhD student in mechanical engineering over here, Texas. Another one's doing her master's degree in earth, uh, earth uh, uh, energy. I have no idea what that is. Energy science at UT. And God is drawing people like that. So I just want to tell you something, church. I love you and I thank you. Thank you. Well, Bud Brunner, God bless you. Where are you? Are you in the house still? I see. He reminds me every now and then. He'll say, people, people say, why are you staying at that church? They're trying to recruit Bud Bruner and his skills to go to another church. Shame on them. <laughs> Bud says, because this is my church. This is my church. <laughs> so I do invite you. I seriously do. It may, we may not have a room big enough, but you come, and we want to get you in. We want to help you, and we want to help you grow and see you grow in grace. And so, Father, we come now in the name of Jesus, and we close out our message, but we extend the invitation. Lord, we're inviting, we're inviting men and women and students and single adults and children, teenagers, Lord, to surrender their lives to the Lordship of Christ. And, God, when we do that, everything changes. Our morality changes, our mindset changes, our desires change, because now the holy, not unholy, but the Holy Spirit lives within us. Lord, thank you for our church. I love this church so very, very much, and I thank you for their patience, and I thank you for their kindness, and I thank you for their witness, and being patient with an imperfect pastor, a person who's in process. And Lord, thank you for still growing me and shaping me to be the man of God you want me to be, that I desire to be. And Lord, I pray now as our staff, as they come and as they join me here at this altar and as we, as we pray for our people, I, I pray, God, that there would be sweet Holy Spirit-inspired conversations. There would be healings, healings of bodies and spirits and lives and marriages and healings of finances and healings of all sorts. And God, I, I want to be sensitive. If someone's here and they need to get to work by 1230, and bless them. And if they're just so hungry, they can't stand it anymore, bless them. Lord, let them know we love them. We don't judge them. But Lord, help us to tarry in your presence for just a, a while longer. Thank you, Jesus, that you're so accessible. Because of your death, I have life. And your kingdom has come. And it's coming in power. May we be found faithful. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I invite you to stand with me as we sing. If, please don't be in a rush or in a hurry. Let's just stand. I think you're going to love this song. If I'm not counseling with somebody, it may be me that you hear singing at the top of my, what do you call those things? Lungs. I stand. What's that what we're singing, Terry? I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus. Go ahead and let's sing it, brother. It's all.